Okay, if we're gonna do a cold open, Leah, and we're gonna do a video podcast, yeah, we definitely want to look at each other. It'd be so weird not to. Okay, most people use Zoom; they can see their own face, so they can talk by looking at the audience and each other this way. The fact that you have your video turned off makes it really awkward, and not how most people use it. I think that's a complete rounding error. <laughs> Are you gonna keep this totally? <laughs> Welcome to our new episode of the Hey Sue podcast. We are so glad you came back. Uh, we are doing live unscripted executive coaching for wonderful leaders. I'm Sue Heilbronner, your host, and I'm again joined by our guest coach, Leah Perlman, co-founder of The Welcoming Way. And today we're joined by our guest client, Robin Ejok Sang. VP of Revenue Marketing at G2. You know them as G2.com, the place to find and discover the best software. Okay, they were a client for like five years. So that's just an extra promo. <laughs> what can I do? Hi, Robin. Welcome. Hey, Sue. Thank you for having me. We are so glad you're here. So let's see. Robin, what's on the top of your plate stack as you arrive in this conversation? Like worry you're having, an excitement, a thing. It doesn't have to be a topic, but just what's going on over there? Well, I guess, you know, on the marketing team, we're no different probably than a lot of marketers out there where it's, you know, tough, tough economy, stuff like that. I've promised myself never to say doing more with less ever again, but that is what's happened so that's reality we're doing we're out here doing more than with more less with more i don't know whatever we're fighting for it <laughs> but i do think there's like some exciting changes happening at g2 just in terms of leadership and direction so i'm excited that we kind of have a fresh start to look at things we're looking into fy25 planning almost with fresh eyes, fresh hearts. So I'm really hopeful and excited about that. It's a joy ride out there. <laughs> um, uh, one of the things, well, first of all, FY25 for a company that ends their fiscal year in January of 2024, mm -hmm. February 1st is the beginning of FY25. In case you didn't know that, I didn't for a really long time. Uh, and also, why have you decided never to say doing more with less? Oh, I just think it's so played out. Like, it's what everyone is saying and and uh and it's it's not that it's untrue i'm just kind of tired of it and i really think for me anyway i'd like to change my thinking about it and my approach to being like let's just do more meaningful things like how about that like let's just cut through the noise not panic and just do more meaningful things so that's more kind of how I'm trying to turn the ship around, at least on my team and how we approach uh, Q4 and next year. That's a really good point. It's played out because it's we've been in difficult macro conditions for so long that everybody's tired of hearing it. Yeah, at least I am. <laughs> <laughs> uh, why did you decide to say yes to doing this podcast? Well... Because I've never done anything like this before, and I recognize some opportunities in myself to to tap into some things that maybe I haven't. I've kind of left uh, 
buried in there. So I just, I just thought, let's, let's do it and see what happens. <laughs> you didn't go all the way. Oh, cool. You're going to, you're going to uncover these things live internationally <laughs> with us. I love it. Uh, so what's the thing you want to dive into? Well, probably a lot of people say this, but I mean, I, I, I think I really feel it. And I'm, I've kind of have this like weird self-defeating prophecy sometimes around imposter syndrome. I think I have it bad. And, and, and I think it's surfacing more that in my current role and with a great company like G2, I'm given an opportunity to speak more. I go to a lot of conferences, I'm on stage and so that's probably what's making it kind of rise to the surface is this feeling of like, what am I doing here? I don't know that I belong here kind of thing. <laughs> I just got the most amazing hit that's never occurred to me. This also might be obvious, but that's my imposter voice. So I'm going to ignore her for now. Uh, I just realized that, of course, the more you accomplish and the more opportunities you get to showcase that you're in the position you're in for lots of good reasons and the bigger your audience and the more you scale, your imposter syndrome arguably should go down. Like I'm getting all these indicia of success. Everything's awesome, but it's actually going up. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what, how would you describe the job you would have or what you would be doing that wouldn't trigger imposter syndrome? Oh wow. That's a good one. I think I think I should have been a music producer. <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah. And if you yeah. were a successful one, you wouldn't have imposter syndrome. I don't know. Maybe I would find things to have imposter syndrome about, but I do think I I'd be great. Yeah. Why do you think that? Why is that your answer? Is it a musical background or love of it? Yeah, I think so. I think it's just like a deeply internal, almost instinctual love I've had since like a kid. I remember before I could even read, I would sit on the floor with like my 45s and my records and I would want to play my favorite stuff, but I couldn't read the, I couldn't read it, but I memorized like all the record labels and I knew like, oh, this song I like is on the label that looks like this or it's purple. So it's just always been in there. And as soon as I could read, I was reading liner notes and just pouring over everything music related. And I'm not a person that's in a band or I, I don't really play instruments, but I know like what sounds great, you know, and it can cover like a range of music. So I really think I, I missed, I missed my calling there. Now that I'm, th I, this is the first time I've ever thought this through, by the way. So it's happening live, but maybe there's also a really wild like connection to what I do now, which is multi channel campaigns that mix in elements of copy and creative, but also science. So maybe, maybe it did kind of, kind of show up in a, in a way that I didn't expect. Yeah. I mean, I have to admit your answer totally surprised me. That's not what it is. Yes. Sorry um, about that. No, it surprised me too. Well, what I expected was that it, it's sort of your level that was causing the imposter syndrome. Mm. So I, when I asked the question, I imagined you would choose, let's say, a, a lower level position that would not trigger it. Oh, oh, I see what you're Which, saying. What's so cool about that? 
is just what you you just did, which is starting to wonder about what aspects of movie producer that would make you feel comfortable. Music, music, not movies. Oh, sorry. Did I say movies? Okay. <laughs> music producer. Yeah. What aspects of that or elements of it are present in your current role? Um, I, I think just like finding the, in a way it's like a mix, like a music mix is finding the right marketing mix. It's, um, it's figuring out what's going to resonate with your audience. So those are the parts of my job that, that I really love. And I, and I spend time on, and I hope people recognize and maybe appreciate in me, but there's also a big part of my job. That's very numbers focused, like for a marketer, I'm not in the sort of fun brand and comms side of things. I'm I'm in the revenue side of things. So I line very closely to sales. I have to make sure that we hit the numbies. And while some of that is really fun and satisfying to me, sometimes I do wonder if even within marketing, I should have like zigged when I zagged. I don't know, but here I am and I'm not at all unhappy. This is about imposter syndrome and sort of like what could trigger that as I go up in it. And it now, if we're having real talk, you know, and this is something I've been reluctant to talk about. So now I'm just going to say it. It's my age. I'm one of the few, I feel like women of my age that's still hanging around in tech. I feel like I'm often surrounded by young dudes, but even in marketing, there's more women, but very few who are like left at my age. So often I show up to things and I'm like, oh, I try to kind of like peel back the years off my experience, even on LinkedIn and and things so that people can't tell. Is this all too much? Am I saying too much? I'm going to stop. This is so perfect. I'm allowing what you're saying to flow through my emotional system. And this sounds really painful. Yeah. Starting off with um, hanging around in tech. Yeah. Is that what you're up to? Are you hanging around in tech right now? No, I I feel like I actually have more to offer than almost anyone. Uh, like if I'm true, truly. So can, I, can I just interrupt you for a moment? It looks like there's a feeling happening there. <laughs> and I, well, just- I'm, I am now I'm getting like, Ugh. no, I. I actually went to a conference yesterday. I went to a dinner after and someone asked everyone at the table, do you like managing people? How do you feel? I was like, I love it because honestly, I feel I have so much to offer them. I've, I've, what haven't I seen? I'm like Blade Runner over here. Like I've seen battle (laughs) battleships off the shoulder of Orion, you know? So I sort of know when it's time to hit the panic button and when to calm down. And I know that valuing the people that you work with every day are some of the most important things that you'll carry with you as as you go. And I feel like I have a lot to share with my team around that. And I do feel they they get a lot of that from me. But the imposter syndrome, I think, comes out when, you know, I go to a conference, I'm on stage and I'm surrounded by so many younger people that I, I don't know. I'm I'm just I'm self-conscious about it. I'm sure you can tell that. But at the same time, I'm also proud. So there's this weird struggle that's happening that I have trouble like, you know, figuring out how to how to work it out. You know what I mean? But I don't feel like I'm hanging around. I feel like I have a ton to add because of all my experience, but I'm afraid to 
show it all, you know? Wow. Can we do a little meditation? Yeah, that's a great idea. So I'm going to guide you, but you're obviously not the only one who experiences this. So for anyone listening who has some flavor of this, you can just follow along in your own way. So you can let your eyes close if it feels comfortable or keep them open, whatever feels natural. So just think about your job, what you're actually paid to do. And let yourself feel as competent and good at that as you are. Now, look at the ways you think you don't belong in that job, whether it's the people around you or at conferences or your own judgments any way you think you don't belong, and just let yourself feel that as much as you do. Just feel like you don't belong. And then again, allow yourself to notice your own confidence and capability, and let yourself feel as confident and in the right place as you do. And then for the part of you that feels insecure for whatever the reason, see if you can just let that be here. Nothing to get rid of, nothing to overcome. Just fear using these younger people as a way to manifest itself. Just let the fear be here. And then just open to the possibility that it's okay to feel confident and insecure. Just letting them arise when they arise and pass when they pass. And there's nothing actually you have to do with or about any of it. You're ready. You can open your eyes. So I'll just say a few words about that. What I've noticed with this topic in particular, imposter syndrome, when most people are experiencing it, they try to shove it down or get rid of it to be more confident or, or feel relaxed or they belong, but that can actually increase the feeling of imposter because you're denying a part of yourself that's scared or insecure. So you actually are faking it a little bit by denying that part. And then you feel like you're faking it and then you feel like an imposter. So just by allowing the insecurity for whatever reason to be here, can help alleviate the feeling that there's faking of anything going on. Does anything come up for you in just looking at that theoretical dichotomy Leah posed? That non-dichotomy, I guess, is what you posed. Yeah, I I do I do think there's truth in trying to shove it down because you don't want it to show. 
Um, and then sometimes I, Robin, instead of you, can you speak from I? Yes, I definitely do try to shove it down and then it manifests itself in, um, weird ways where I, I become overly like self-effacing. Uh, when you turn on self-effacing, if you know, what do you love about it? You're doing it. You're doing it intentionally. You know what a 45 is. That's how I knew your age. Uh, but when you're doing that, when you're turning that on and you've been doing it a while, probably, what are you getting from it? What do you like about how people react to you when you're in that? I'll call that a persona. Mm -hmm. That's an interesting question. Cause I think that one goes back to maybe who I've been for a really long time where I, I have kind of come up in the subculture, like, you know, in the eighties being a punk rock kid, just looking, you know, different, although also totally conforming in my own <laughs> stupid way also as, as we do when we're young, but like, as you did when you were young, as, as I definitely did <laughs> when I was young, but I have carried that probably with me in, in ways that I felt like it's kept me sort of at a safe distance from like more serious people, I guess, and people that make me uncomfortable. Now we're really going too far here. This Are is we? just, this is just crazy, but I know. <laughs> yeah, but I think I, I, I have it. I like it but comes out in me. It, it. Um, this, you know, I've asked myself, how come I haven't taken it to the the level like CMO or like, like a real leader, right? Although I am a leader, what is it about me that maybe some people see me as Robin's a great marketer. Robin's like real quirky and, you know, she's, she's really creative and less likely to say Robin's a great leader, right? Maybe people don't always choose the word leader to describe me. And what do I, what do I own of that? You know, where, what am I doing? So I've thought about that a lot and I do think it comes back to this way of keeping this distance. Like I'll always be a little different, like left of center, you know, um, not a conventional person. I, I always come back to those like punk roots, you know, and it's weird. It's like something that I've thought a lot about over the years, especially when you pass 50, it's like when, you pass 50. when I've passed 50, you, you do start and you uh -huh. do start to, I do start to self-reflect and wonder like, what, what am I, am I holding myself back in some way due to this like imposter syndrome, sort of self-effacing nature, identifying as somehow like different than the conventional people that are leading. What's your judgment of conventional people? I, I guess for me, uh, hold on. It's, Can it, you just get really unenlightened here? Yeah. You you want me to just, just like, savage? Like 15-year-old yeah, punk rock, rock, rock. Oh, 15-year-old Robin, not pretty. <laughs> no, I was, I was very, you know, defiant and just very like, fuck you to all things that I thought of as authority. 
and yet somehow have managed to like not be a total sort of high school loser like many of my friends from Buffalo, but still managed to like land in, in tech very early on and succeed and keep going. And I'm really proud of that, actually. So, let me just interrupt you for a moment. So so what I hear, I hear two aspects of your personality. Yeah, this One. is more than I, this is more than I intended to unpack on this podcast, by the way. I need to make a general apology to people in Buffalo. <laughs> Lots of really great people in Buffalo. Okay, go ahead. Oh yeah, Buffalo isn't that bad. It's kind of bad, but it's not that bad. <laughs> so I hear two aspects of your personality. One that doesn't like convention, conventional people, conventional things, and one that's attracted to that, wants to be a CMO, wants to have some Maybe, level. I don't know about that, but wonders, yes. Wonders why she's not okay. a CMO. Yeah, yes. okay. fair. Yeah, so, but that's not totally averse to it. No, I'm not, I'm not averse to it. Um, I think in the right kind of, of company goals mission, I think I could be great, actually. I think I could be great <laughs> for sure. So the question I'm curious about, and Sue prompted this, is the part of you that judges convention and the part of you that self-effaces and separates, distances yourself from those people and from that level of success or does any kind of distancing, what, what are the judgments? What are you afraid of if you were to be them or be that? Or be accepted by them. Mm, I maybe not smart enough, um, not relevant enough. Maybe missing some of the usual check boxes. I went to University of Pittsburgh. I have a bachelor's. I didn't pursue a master's. Just a, a lot of those things. I think sort of feeding into it didn't come from like a big consultancy. You know. So it's probably a lot of that. And going back to when I was young, you know, the 15-year-old the also never took the traditional path of acing it in school, doing all the sports, had a lot of interests around music and seeing bands going back to when I was really young, but just really falling into that subculture, which in a way definitely created this idea of like self-identification, which set me apart from normal people, you know, it, idiotic, but true. And probably I've just carried it with me. So what I'm hearing, a couple thoughts that I have are, it makes sense to me that judging for you is a protective device. So mm -hmm. I'm going to judge them first so that I don't have to expose myself to their judgment of me. Yes. Yeah, which makes sense, right? Because you spot it, you got it. It's how psychological projection works. So you're imagining you're being judged and you're actually the one who is judging. This person is too young. There's all sorts of ways you are creating separation and difference. Mm -hmm. uh, and I have worked, I spent a lot of time with your company. It literally never occurred to me what your age was. It never occurred to me that there was any separate, I mean, this is now I'm projecting, right? Like I'm older than you and I have been playing with the same company for a long time. I just want to catch that, that the more you judge, that's how you're keeping yourself safe. And it's also sparking more worry. I think that you're being judged. Yeah, I think that's fair. 
the other thing that's coming up for me is this thing about some kind of the other dichotomy and, and, and that you're alluding to that I think is false is that there are creative marketing jobs and then there are quote unquote non-marketing jobs that are associated with revenue. I, I personally find revenue nearly sexually arousing. So I disagree with you in terms of your characterization of how exciting it is, but so be it, that's okay. And then when we started off this call and we said, what would you be without imposter syndrome? Your answer was, I would be a music producer which just reinforces this sense that what you're doing now is somehow not creative or not not as creative. And if you were diving all the way into creativity, you might feel more free. And I just wonder if you could skip all that drama and all that stress and just dive more into creativity and freedom. I, I think so. But I also think, I do feel like I somehow landed in in the right place. It's like, this revenue side of marketing is a nice mix of like creative and copy and choosing the right words meets getting that out, you know, across the right channels and then figuring out its impacts on the business uh, and revenue is pretty, pretty satisfying to me. So I actually do feel like the wild idea of being a music producer from way back when I was younger has somehow segued into this path that I probably never would have imagined for myself all those years ago. So I think that's good. I do think if I leaned a little bit more into some of the creativity that goes on behind the campaigns and what's the hook would be more of a sweet spot for me. But a lot of my days are really spent, like many of us that kind of do demand gen and marketing to the numbies, it's like really looking at you know, the back end of everything that's happening in the systems, like we're bringing in all this qualified interest, but why does it just sort of die in the middle of the funnel? And there's a lot of just sort of back end plumbing stuff yeah. that, that happens on the day-to-day -day basis. I guess at my level, what I could do a better job of like delegating and trying to figure out how to offload some of that. And finding more creative and visionary ideas that would drive those downstream effects successfully. Right. Is arising for me. Robin, I want to go back to uh, the question. I, I don't feel I got enough of an answer. I want to hear more. What do you get from being self-effacing? You even, when you said it, the way that you, you, you did it just now, you, you made like a little girl face that showed up, even just thinking of this conceptually. So this may be a very little girl persona that pops up and what's, what's she driving for? What's her agenda? What are the benefits she's delivering to you? Take one minute to think about this while I just describe what a persona is for people yeah. who haven't heard that term. So a persona is like an aspect of our personalities. It's not all of us, it's not who we are, but it's an aspect of our personalities that usually comes online. We start expressing it when we have a strategy. So maybe we're trying to stay safe. Maybe we're trying to be loved. Maybe we're trying to get control of a situation. So it's an aspect of the personality that is trying to help, but sometimes it overtakes us and is can be counterproductive if we don't become aware of it. Okay, mm -hmm. over to you. Um geez, this is this is really this is really getting there. Um 
If I think back to when I maybe developed this more, you know, being really into music and into like this subcult, this punk goth alternative thing that I sort of, you know, really got into, it is a very male driven thing. So I think I realized that when people were talking about music and bands and really having lively, fun conversation about it and really being, you know, music nerds and talking about record collecting, it was very much not a conversation for girls. So I just kind of made it my business to kind of out nerd. Like I could always know more about the band that was you know, being talked about. I could always know more about influences. Um, Outpulling and outknowing, I think, is a different persona. And sometimes personas get into little arguments, like, or they they can work together or they can work against each other. So there's part of, I get the part of you that wants to outcool and outknow. That's another way of creating disconnection or separation to be the one who has all that knowledge. I still don't, I feel like maybe unintentionally or unconsciously, you're skirting away from this question about, because there's like, there's an adorable persona over there. That's my story. Literally every time we talk about this persona, the, the listeners will not know this. You have had this smile that is the same every single time. So you're with a crowd of boys. They're all punk rock people. And you show up with adorable. What is that? What did that get you in those conversations? I think um, respect. I I wasn't there, you know, as a fixture on the scene, like as the girl that, you know, you could do whatever with, but I I was just better than them, smarter. Hold on. This is really fascinating to me, Robin. Again, I just asked you directly again about being self-effacing and you Mm -hmm. just told me how you were smarter. Mm -hmm. But what you're saying is what you said earlier, I think if I understand the term self-effacing, is that you're apologizing for yourself or maybe holding back and acting like you know less than you actually know so that you can get along. Or I don't know exactly what you meant by holding back, but you still have not answered my question. Tune into the part of you that is or can be self-effacing to that persona, the one who's insulting yourself. Mm-hmm. What are what are the motivations of that behavior? That I'm in on the, on the joke somehow, like, oh. you know, Oh, uh, say more about that. Uh, <laughs> I don't or know. You can just take a moment to feel that. That if you joke about yourself or put yourself da- down. Oh. Just take a breath. Yeah. yeah. They can't hurt. They can't hurt her, right? Is that the? Yeah. Yeah, they can't hurt you. Oh, yeah. yeah. And just keep breathing. And so as you're letting this emotion move through, for most of us, these personas, they come on when we're really young. They're young strategies, two, three, four. And sometimes what I'm seeing tears is the little one in you that didn't feel like enough, that needed to overcompensate to prove she belongs. And, and maybe you've been living that way for a long time. And right now there's nothing to figure out. There's nothing to say. 
There's nothing you have to do. We're just letting this little one that's been sort of locked in the closet that wanted to be included, even at her own expense of making fun of herself or putting herself down. Just to let that be seen and held by adult Robin. Uh, no wonder, you know, no wonder when you get on stage and you're asked to speak, no wonder that feels uncomfortable to you. It's getting better. <laughs> I'm glad. Yeah. And, and I would say it probably feels uncomfortable to this one, the part of you that's having the tears, the little, the little one that doesn't quite believe she's enough. That's who's having the imposter syndrome, but competent adult Robin that's had all the experience, all the feedback knows that you're good at this. That one's fine. It's doing great. It's just this little one. That's just like, Oh my God. And now we're going to be seen by how many people now someone's definitely going to see through the facade. <laughs> that's the only, that's the one with the, the fear. Yeah. I think that's reasonable. This recent trip to Bangalore for G2 live, I did it last year and I did it again this year at the same time. Last year, I was really a nervous wreck. I underestimated how big the stage would be, how many people, that, you know, I'm comfortable if you put me in a panel, but don't put me up on a stage this big by myself. But this year I did it with a lot less uh, apprehension, a lot less nerves. And I looked at the audience, you know, and just had fun with it. So I, d I do think it's in that sense, getting better. But last month I was invited to this LinkedIn collective dinner, which is executive level folks in New York and they had their inaugural event. And uh, I didn't realize how small it was or how it would be. And I thought I would come and it'd be, you know, 200 people, but it was 18. And these were some like very heavy hitters, you know, in New York. And the first thing I said to myself is, what am I doing here? I don't belong here. Find a way to get out of this immediately. And because I couldn't get out of it because we were on an island, you know, Governor's <laughs> Island in New York, it was like, okay, no way to leave. So let me figure out how to set myself apart in a way. I can't compete at, you know, where, where they are in, as far as like status or role, but maybe other ways. Like I'll always dig in and try to find like, how, how can I just hang on to the things that I'm comfortable in it? And it's in it. I do recognize that it's so I don't have to be seen as not at their level or something. It's like bizarre, but so what, what we're offering, or I'll just say, I'll speak for myself. What I'm offering here is just a different strategy and we'll just start to end here, which is when you feel scared, just feel scared. Most of us, instead of just feeling it, we do what you're doing, which is create a bunch of strategies to get around the fear, to pretend it's not there, to overcompensate. To and separate. To separate, yeah. And instead, this is an invitation is, there's one in there that's scared of not belonging or not being enough. And as you grow in your career, if you grow in your career, hopefully, 
that gets triggered often. And so rather than having to constantly compete or find ways to show up or show off, all you have to do is feel scared, let that be here. And then, and then you just get to be Robin, which is a lot less work. <laughs> yeah, I wanna add here that one of the things you started this conversation with was the idea like, why am I not seen as a CMO? Um, why am I seen as a marketer and not a leader? And my story is that it is these strategies that are creating static and interference between your authentic self packed with all of the talents and what you're showing up in, which is these strategies. So I love the idea of knowing those strategies are there. They're always there for you. If you need them, you can always use them, but you don't have to, they're optional. And part of the game is just, can I create more choice when I walk into a room of 18 and allow authentic me to just be here and see what happens? And in my experience, that allows everyone else to relax. And I think that looks more like relaxed leadership. And in my view, that looks more executive than a bag mm -hmm. of strategies for coping. How do I know who my authentic self is? <laughs> How does anyone know? That's the pl that's the great thing. You don't have to. You are it. There's no figuring out required. It's just what shows up when the strategies aren't on high alert. And it takes, in my experience, okay. practice starting to trust that that's enough. Yeah, I mean, things that you've said in this call that I think sound like authentic self include uh, the teenager who just love and the kid who loved music and loved the gang aspects you know the kids and the, the the community around punk rock the one who loves bringing creativity to a space that most people think is totally spreadsheet driven without exception the one who's tired and weary of saying let's do more with less and instead just wants to do meaningful things. All of those sound like authentic manager. you. I want to, when you talked about being a manager and how much you love it oh, and yeah. how you feel like you bring value, I, I felt truth in that. And one way I, we, I'll speak for myself. One way I know that is that when you're saying those things, I feel connected to you. Hmm. These strategies are all designed for separation, judging, acting differently, trotting out personas to look submissive, all that shit. It's all designed for disconnection. <laughs> so I noticed that when my heart feels full, I'm like, oh, that sounds real. And so maybe you could check with yourself. How does my heart feel? Am I relaxed? Mm -hmm. Do I feel like me? Or do I feel like I'm trying? Do I feel like there's a compulsion to behave a certain way? Or do I feel like I have choice? Those might be signals. That, that makes sense. Thank you so much for being with us today, Robin. We are so graced by the presence and honesty, vulnerability of our guest today, Robin Ejok Sang. She's the VP of Revenue Marketing at G2, G2.com. Are you or someone you know, a business leader who wants to get free coaching sessions in exchange for sharing your truth on this podcast? Hopefully Robin was happy she did. And we want to hear from you. Find Leah at welcomingway.com or me at heysu.com and drop either of us a note there. We'll see you next time. <laughs>